Coach, hey, thanks for joining me today on this simple coach-to-coach interview. Appreciate you not ditching me like I ditched you on Monday when we were originally supposed to talk, but I kind of got sucked into doing some refing and completely forgot our planned interview date. So thanks for accommodating my total screw-up. I've fired my executive assistant who handles my calendar and hoping my next one is going to do a little bit better job. So thanks a lot. All right, Coach. Hey, so I usually start out with a simple one, especially with new, new, new coaches. You're not a new coach, but a new interviewee. Um, if I got this right, I think you've been the head coach at Elizabethtown since 2016, 15, yep. 2016. Maybe you could just talk about your soccer experience and how you ended up in the seat um, that you're in now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I started, I guess, my soccer journey, just like most people, um, really little, um, kind of built through the ranks and ended up doing my college search. And I ended up playing um, collegiately as a goalkeeper at LaSalle University in Philadelphia, which I absolutely loved my time there. Um, And I was really fortunate um, during that time. I had a goalkeeping coach growing up, Todd Hofford, um, who ran a, a soccer camp and I had attended his camp for many years. Um, And then as I transitioned into college, he allowed me to start kind of being counselor at the camp. And once I graduated college, fortunate enough that Paul Royal at LaSalle hired me to be um, their second assistant on the staff um, and continued coaching through one-on-one soccer with Todd as well. So that's kind of the start of where it all began with my coaching journey. And um, two seasons at LaSalle um, turned into five seasons as the top assistant at Lehigh University up in Bethlehem. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Very familiar. Yeah. So spent five years there, um, loved the Lehigh Valley, and I was really fortunate to have a mentor there um, in my head coach who actually was a former division three men's and women's coach. Um, And as we started talking about the next steps in my career, um, I'm very, very passionate about the balance of student athlete. Um, I really want to make sure that um, my students that that play for me, it it is well-rounded because at the end of the day, like I'd say 99.9% of them are going to end up being doctors, teachers, um, occupational therapists, um, not necessarily a professional soccer player. My hope is that they all continue to love it, um, but they're going to go professional in something else, kind of like that NCAA slogan says. And Eric was great um, in when E-Town opened, he had coached at Moravian for many years. And he had such a respect for E-Town, their athletics, um, and especially the men's coach there, Skip Roderick. So our our men's coach, Skip, has been in the game. He he just finished his 40th season this past year. Um, But Eric encouraged me to apply. And it was kind of funny. My mom is an Elizabethtown College alum. She's the class of 82. (laughs) So this has been kind of weaved into the fabric of my life the entire time. And, you know, getting to E-Town and and being on campus and meeting with our athletic director um, and the other coaches, it it became really apparent to me that E-Town was going to be my next step. So Mm -hmm. it has been a fun journey to be able to take over a program that historically has had a lot of success, um, to be able to kind of add my own spin to it, rebuild in certain years, and then obviously like get to deal with COVID. Um, yeah, that oh was a gosh. really, really interesting challenge that I yeah. think every coach in the country had to find ways to deal with and, and probably are still dealing with some of the after effects of, of those seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the whole COVID thing, I had a, I forget who was telling me, like they went in, they became a soccer coach and turned out they ended up being a therapist, a counselor, uh, you know, for, for a good year and a half because of that whole thing. And it's things that they totally did not expect of their, their experience. But, um, that that's interesting how you that, that that's interesting first of all lehigh that the lehigh valley what a beautiful place like you can't go wrong for anybody who's not been there played my sons have played games there on those the grass fields right yep. like all the i mean it it even those practice fields are kind of immaculate but yep. um what a great place for for a soccer experience um all right so now now we're going off tangent off, off course already. How significant the difference do you think it is between players who are Division One versus players who are Division Three? First of all, that's a that's become a big thing for me, like intellectually just thinking about, because I don't think the difference is that significant. Um, but anyhow, I'll let you let you go. No, in all seriousness, I, I think that. Sometimes we, we really expect that the differences are, are ginormous between the two divisions. Um, and I mean, in, in some ways, yes, there's a, a huge athleticism sometimes, like a, a natural athleticism. Um, there might be something really special that the division and, and more special things that a division one player can always put together. But, you know, when it comes down to it, like even on my teams at E-Town, we've had some players that I think can make division one rosters. Um, I think that we've had some, we had one um, that graduated in 2020, um, as an occupational therapy major, she was an all American for me. Like, do I think that she could have played at a mid major division one and had success? Absolutely. Um, but I think it really boils down to what the student athlete really wants out of their experience in college. Um, and I mean, there's, there's some differences that, that might be between, I mean, it definitely is an adjustment like recruiting for like the Patriot league versus recruiting for yeah. D three. Cause it's really more about like what kids can I really, what, what's going to be my wheelhouse in recruiting um, versus like just the sheer athleticism. But I mean, yeah, I'd say division one, like if we were to play, like if, if E-Town were to play a Lehigh, I think obviously Lehigh is going to win. Um, I can tell you that like just where we are right now. Um, and actually the first spring that I got to E-Town, Lehigh played Messiah. So here's a really good example of top level division three soccer playing against a division one team. And, and I'd say for the first like 15, 20 minutes, Lehigh dominated. Um, but there wasn't like this giant drop off between right. the two. It's when the depth comes in. Like yeah. Messiah's depth and, and Lehigh's depth are very different. I think the game ended up um, three nothing, four nothing in that spring. Um, so a game that doesn't, it's just a great scrimmage. But I think that's really where it is. Like person for person throughout the entire roster, you're just deeper at Division One with more athleticism, more skill, a little bit more talent. Um, but again, it's not so significant outside of the Power Five. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not so significant that it's oh my gosh, like. I should never even consider D3. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that because I I, I think that there is, and, and right or wrong, I'm not, this, is, this is just observational, and, and what do I know? I'm just a guy behind a, a screen for the most part. Um, I think that there is this impression that, that, again, right or wrong, the power five 
is what all of Division One is. And that is so, so far from the reality, both in terms of soccer skill, but also just sort of like the aura and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there are... A hundred percent. And I mean, you've got to really dive deep into each of the conferences because each conference is a little bit different. I mean, there were years and it was prior to me getting into the Patriot League, um, but there were years that the Patriot League was just like the Ivies and didn't offer scholarships. Yeah. Um, I mean, so they would be very comparable to what Division three schools are that you might have some merit academic aid, um, but you wouldn't actually have athletic scholarships. And yeah. I mean, if we want to be really true, like I, I use Lehigh as an example because I coach there and have been there and I'm pretty familiar with the team um, even now, like just following their results. Yeah. Like there are definitely Division One schools that I think our program could could stand toe to toe with on, on given yeah. days, and yeah. and maybe maybe win, maybe tie. Uh, yeah. A one nothing loss is still a, a yep. great result in those moments. Um, there's definitely like Division One, just like Division Three or even Division Two. It runs the gamut. You're going to have yeah. some annual powerhouses yep. that like are just very very good, and then you're going to have some that you know depending on the year, it could be a really down year and mm-hmm. and the divisions, there really isn't that big of a huge difference once yeah, you get yeah. out of, outside of that power five. I do think that, that they, yeah, no, division three schools are not going to touch um, the talent level of the power five. Like yeah. that, that's not even going to be a fun game. <laughs> no, no. Some, I would argue even some national teams aren't going to touch the talent of right. the, right, oh, like, the power five. <laughs> like it's just a reality. But um, the other thing too, which is a big in my craw lately, and, and I think it's because I, I also have an interest in just sort of youth soccer and just sort of how it's structured, all that kind of stuff. But the 99% of kids, and more, it's like 99.999% of kids after their collegiate career are going to be professionals in other things. And I think club soccer forgets that to one degree or another. Um, Especially as you try to, you know, we're trying to develop kids for the future. For what future? Because most of them aren't going to necessarily play at that higher level. But you're right. Do they still love it? And I sometimes wonder if kids end up loving it um, as much as we, I, do, right? Like, um, um, because of the just the constant constant playing and the constant drive to be better soccer players and they forget about all the other things but i'm, I'm gonna rant i gotta stop that and then finally finally t- i knew i liked you but now i like you even more because you were a goalkeeper so we are kindred spirits in that regard i love um, that <laughs> um hey how, how how and this is interesting too because of the lehigh experience like, how big of a deal has team culture been for you at at, at E Town, and, and and what you're trying to accomplish, and and again, sort of your how you understand the student athlete and the priorities and things like how 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 important and encompassing is it for you, for your program? I mean, I think um, somebody said it at some point, right? Culture is king. Um, culture has to be the cornerstone and the keystone of any program, especially like as you kind of take over as a new coach, I mean, you, you're trying to, to wade through and figure out your talent level and where people might lie on the field and, and what that pecking order of playing might be. 
Um, but instantly one of the things that you can start to lay the foundation of is, is who you want to be as a program. And when I took over in 2016, I had my five weeks of spring that we get in division three or that we used to get, we get more now. There's yeah. not weeks. And I Another, love that. Yeah. Yeah. No weeks. It's just days, right? Yeah. Just days. Um, but I had my five weeks and we probably had at least one, maybe two meetings a week that was talking about who we wanted to be. And, and for our program, we came up with um, four values that are really important to me, but also that all of our players have bought into and, and continue to learn more about. Are we perfect at them? Absolutely not. But the goal for me as a coach is to help us develop those things over the course of a career. So the four values are together. So we want team first players that are unselfish, that want to do things for the team, for the program. Um, accountability. So we really want to teach that piece of individual, but also team accountability that I'm not just responsible for doing the right things myself. I also need to be encouraging and helping the people around me live up to the same standards. Um, and then trust. I'm going to be honest, trust is probably the most important one of the four because you can't have a team that works together without trust and it's not just like hey I trust that you're going to catch the ball if it comes at you or I trust that if the ball comes to you you're going to put it in the back of the net it's that raw vulnerability I mean in the five dysfunctions of a team there there's a book um, that that is the base of the pyramid right that and trust is that absence of invulnerability that you need complete and utter vulnerability so like when somebody fails a test i mean most of us are recruiting high achieving students and in high school if you were to like not do well on a test like the first thing that you do is just be like crap i gotta study harder and you don't really want to spread that too much that you've not done well and even our freshmen coming in like that's just like their innate reaction is i don't really want to tell people that i haven't done well on this test i'm just going to study harder but you end up sometimes building yourself a mountain and whereas if you'd be vulnerable about that. Hey, I didn't do so well on this chemistry test. Well, the people that are around you, whether that's upperclassmen, your professors, coaches, they can connect you with the wealth of resources, but it takes you coming out of that comfort zone. And we need our players at E-Town to do that, not only with soccer, not only with academics, but just in general to become more cohesive. So that's something that we really have been working on throughout every single season that I've been here um, to try to have that vulnerability with each other. And then because we're going to make mistakes, because we're not perfect, because there's going to be times that that your back is kind of against a wall and you might have seen a failure. You know what? We also have to be relentless and that willingness to stand back up, get 1% better every single day and be resilient and persist in the face of challenge. I mean, that, that I think is huge, especially coming out of, of COVID like that, that has been a word that I have constantly been hearing, not only at E-Town, but also in other coaching circles is really that, that resiliency that is needed because sometimes we're missing that at times. Yeah. yeah. Very, very true. I think, I, th I don't know. This is probably again, one of my rants, but I don't want to, I, I, I think people have forgotten a little bit about it, it, in face of adversity, you just got to keep plugging away. And cause you're not gonna, like you said, you want to get 1% better every day because sometimes incrementally over time that's how you, you overcome obstacles and i think i think sometimes we forget that um 
again, that's a little bit of a rant, but I don't want to. Well, I think too, like one of my friends the other day, like he shared a quote that someone wrote in a note to him. It's not, I mean, so often we think that obstacles come in the way of our path and like that we have to like deal with obstacles. Like obstacles are not in the way of the path. The obstacles are the path. Like that's how we grow as humans. And I think like having that mindset it allows us to think differently about the failures that we're going to encounter and the, the challenges, adversity that we're going to encounter is not thinking that, oh my gosh, why? Why me? No, yeah, like this is exactly. just part of what we have to do as, yeah. as, as humans, as soccer players, as students. Yeah. We need that challenge because if yeah. we're not outside of that comfort zone, we can't grow. We don't get yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. I think too, like there are people who, who they're already behind the eight ball when they face an obstacle because they have this expectation, right, wrong, Hollywood, whatever it is, that you're not supposed to face obstacles. Everything is supposed to be beautifully laid out before you and it should be easy and look how great, the, like that's not, I mean, geez almighty, that is so not life, you know, <laughs> like it, but, um, all right, I gotta ask, where, sort of what are your main recruiting areas where do you where do you look for like you mentioned and i think rightly right you're looking for high achieving student athletes just generically both on the field and and just because it makes your life so much easier if you do that but where where are you looking to get players to go to e-town yeah, I mean, E-Town's a pretty regional school. Like the, the majority of our student population is coming from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, um, even New York a little bit. So I, I would say that that's probably the main zones that I'm looking for. And that was actually something in my interview process that I had looked at because I, here I had come from a school that we were recruiting yeah, nationally. nationally um, yeah. And like you had to hit almost every pocket. But I really wanted to make sure that I was doing the right and, and I was doing the right thing by not trying to go after these California kids if they never come to E-Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to me, what where I've found, and you can look at our roster, like we're Delaware, we're Maryland, we're, we're PA, New Jersey. Um, occasionally we get the New York, we've had a Connecticut, um, and obviously we can dip down into Virginia as well. Um, this fall, I'm pretty excited. We have our first um, girl coming from Ohio um, since wow. we've been here. So that's a different one. (laughs) But I mean, I think that's something that's really important is to be able to to kind of blend the states together, blend the different, I don't want to say different styles because soccer is soccer, but different areas play soccer a little bit differently at times. Um, I mean, there's a very, like, I mean, you can go into Philadelphia and you can look at the Philly teams. Like there is just a like toughness to that mm-hmm. soccer. I mean, but then if you compare it to like California is a little bit more of like finesse, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more finesse. And you can look at little pockets, even within states sometimes that different mentalities of, of maybe like where people are, are playing, they just have different characteristics to their style of play. I love hearing that. That's my other, by the way, if it's not obvious, I have a lot of like theories and thoughts about things. My latest one, I used to ask, have players gotten better over time? So, you know, I'm basically from the 80s. So have players, comparing a player from the 80s to the player now, if the player's gotten better. My latest thing, I don't even care about that anymore because what does that matter, right? Like, I, I was the best player in the 80s as far as I was concerned. <laughs> um, and just the national team never seemed to find the right phone number for me. Um, but 
the truth of the matter, I think, is probably more applicable. Is our, our, My latest thing is regional differences. Are players different depending on where you look? Because I think that, to me, is the great, I guess, key to unlocking success in soccer. You don't want – I'm a big believer that club soccer is developing a lot of robots, and which is a concern f- for me. And and the answer to that is, can you go regionally to find players that fit a per, a, I don't want to say position, but a attribute that your team doesn't have. So, you know, you need a kid who's tough as nails defender as a CDM who might have the skill, but you're more you just want somebody who's just going to be like the enforcer. Are you going to go to California for an enforcer, or are you going to go to? Philly, and my first bet is like if that's what, assuming that you could recruit nationally, do you, I would my thing would be like I'm going to go to Philly because mm-hmm. I know the Philly kid, right? You know what I'm. And, yeah, there's and, a brand and, of soccer there. There, it, it's yeah. hard nose. They get they yeah. have no problem getting stuck into tackles. Yeah. Whereas, and, and you can and I say this generally. I don't want to say that there's not a finesse. No, player no, no, yeah, yeah, totally agree. Either, like I mean, there are more possession based players depending on the type of club that you have and who your coach is and what their beliefs are and in how the game should be played. But I would, for whatever reason, like you can find a lot more just pockets of that more finesse, like we want to take yeah. less touches, just pass the ball yeah. or like those really high confident. I mean, a long Island kid is, is a beast in and of, of itself in that they just have that confidence, that innate yeah. confidence in, in how they play the game. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it really is neat to watch some of those yeah. minute differences that you can yeah. bring some of those, that flair, I guess I'll call yeah, it yeah. flair to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can, build a pretty good comprehensive team taking those attributes from different places to place into a team, right? You got the grit at some point, you got the determination, you got the confidence, all those different things. If you combine them all in the right way, which is what I think you guys try to do as coaches, right? Like it's not just about skill and it's yeah. about what you're bringing to the table, right? Absolutely. And I think it is that character. And, and some of that, like, I mean, E-Town is from Lancaster County, so you got a lot of farms around us. I mean, there, yeah. there's something about farm tough as well. Um. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, yeah. I, um, um, I just spoke to the Newman coach. Yeah, and I spoke to the Cobles. Co- 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 coach um and asked them about the farm tough if that's like mm-hmm. legit and they're like oh yeah it's legit um um anyhow that's funny that you bring that up um all right so let me let me ask you um shifting over to the season give me your now that you've had some time i guess and probably I don't want to say lost focus of <laughs> of the fall, but what what's your assessment of 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 your past season? Uh, we, uh, I've said it to our recruits. <laughs> I've said it to our recruits, and, and yep, time time has helped because there's a lot of reflection that can go into it as to maybe root causes. Uh, we are so disappointed with the competitive results that we had in 2022. 
Um, it's just like that was really off brand for us. Um, do I think that there are a lot of things that maybe piled into it? Sure, absolutely. In 2021, we were fortunate to build out of that COVID gap year, right? And we were able to compete for a championship. Um, winning in 10 rounds um, in the semifinal of PKs. Um, that was a whole new experience for me. <laughs> and then competing against Scranton, absolute yeah. like phenomenal program phenomenal. in our conference. Yeah, um, but competed against Scranton in the championship and then watched them go on to, to a sweet 16. And I mean, I think that in that year, we had quite a few. We had two fifth years, so super seniors. Mm-hmm. We had five um, actual seniors. And then we also had one junior who, at the end of that season, realized, hey, I have enough credits to graduate early. Um, so she did not come back for her actual senior year. She graduated after her junior year. So we ended up losing eight. And out of those eight, I would say, probably six or seven were regular, like big time contributors for us. Um, And, you know, there's that leadership that you lose going into 2022, but there's also this air of success because that was our first ever landmark championship game. Um, E-Town had played in the MAC, but we had never qualified for a championship game um, once we had made it to the landmark. We always got stopped in the semifinals probably because we always played Scranton in the semifinals, but, uh, you know, um, we, we always got stopped in the semifinals. So there, there was that air of success. And with two of the classes, really, that being their first season, we talked a lot after the season of me just trying to understand their mentality. Because as a coach, what's the first thing I do? I look in the mirror and say, what the heck did I do? Did I do? And... <laughs> Like, trust me, I came up with a laundry list of things <laughs> that I know I can do better, that yeah. we can we can tackle in this off season, and we've started to mm. tackle. But probably one of the most vulnerable conversations, if we go back to that trust value, mm-hmm. was they really started opening up about how, you know, coach, like many of us in our high school or club careers, like getting to a championship game was like the pinnacle of our success. Very rarely have any of us actually won a championship because winning championships is, is hard and not a lot of people get to do it. And they were like, so we kind of like said, you know what we did, it was enough and it was good. Um, And we became a little bit complacent. Mm -hmm. And that was this light bulb moment for me because I, for me, it was, I got to a championship game. I've led us to a championship game. I literally just watched us lose in a championship game. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to soak up the atmosphere of Scranton celebrating and lifting that trophy and all of that good stuff because that is going to fuel me for the next 365 days to get better. (laughs) Whereas they looked at it like... They were like, this is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think they were disappointed. Please don't let me... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they were disappointed that they didn't win it. But I think they just thought it happened. Yeah. And didn't see the work that those yeah. fifth years, those seniors, and even even the junior had put in, but mainly those seniors in the fifth years had put into building this culture and building better, better, better. And those seven, eight really led us that year and pushed mm-hmm. us and drove us to be better. So we kind of came this year and 
me included with with kind of the leadership, we were very young. Like our team was young, so I didn't do enough pushing and poking and prodding where I could have um, to help us kind of make up some of that leadership gap. And it comes and you look at the schedule. Yep, we took on TCNJ, who are national finalists. Um, there was a 10-minute gap in that game that, oh boy, the floodgates opened and we did not recover well from that one. Um, but that was in the second half. We entered, entered halftime one nothing off of a, a Shaw's goal, which um, like a shot that or cross that ended up being a shot. Um, but then that was kind of our unraveling of just like when you see these like really close losses, like stacking up, you can have a choice. Like sometimes some programs like look inward and they find it and are able to turn that around. And other times like it becomes a little bit of a lack of confidence. And for, unfortunately for us, it was a little bit of a lack of confidence, but mm-hmm. I am really excited going into the 2023 season because, again, most of those games you look at and they're 0-0 ties, they're 1-1 ties, they're they're 1-0 or one-goal losses, those can be flipped. Those can be flipped by an air of confidence. So, like, do I think that we're going to stay as low as we kind of were last year? No, I definitely don't. And I have a lot of confidence in the things that we've done this offseason. Um, but you know the crazy thing about 2022? If we would have won, I think, or tied that last game against Catholic, we were still going to playoffs. That's how crazy the crazy landmark, landmark was um, in that last weekend. Um, but obviously, unfortunately for us, um, Catholic did beat us, and they went on um, to be able to play in the playoffs that year. Yeah. But I, I see big things coming for us this year, um, which is exciting because the landmark expands, too. We get two new teams new coming teams, in. Uh, Wilkes and Lycoming. Yep, that's it. Um, so I think it'll be a really awesome season for us mm-hmm. to kind of turn some things around, and we don't have that gauntlet of playing TCNJ, then Scranton, then McDaniel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I... I... I, so that's the thing I always look at at schedules is like good year, bad year doesn't matter. To me, it comes down to a bad year. It ends up resting on your close games, right? For whatever reason. And I, I counted six games that was a one goal differential and just flipping those. Now you're, now your record becomes 11-3, 11-4, and 1, or whatever the case may be. That's a very, very different season yeah. just just by score, just by changing those games. And yeah. for anyone, I mean, you're playing Gettysburg, Franklin, Marshall, Susquehanna that had a banger year, um, TCNJ, Scranton, McDaniel. I, I mean, these are programs that – Holy smokes! Like yeah. you have them on your schedule regularly. I mean, they're top programs, right? Yeah. And you're, Going you're, into you're, the season, I think I kind of looked, and we were ranked our strength of schedule just based on the results of twenty twenty one. I want to say we were top twenty five on yeah. day one. I can totally um, see that. Yeah. In just because like our conference is pretty good mm-hmm. um, with having Scranton, but then like we want to sh- schedule strong. Um, yeah, now yeah. this year with us adding some teams um, to the landmark, our, our schedule changed a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't see us having that same exact gauntlet because like TCNJ came off. Um, we added Lebval in. 
Union, um, mm -hmm. Penn State Harrisburg came off, and we added uh, Lancaster Bible because um, Harrisburg and Lancaster Bible are about the equidistant from us. And yeah, like, yeah. those midweek games, you really want some close no, ones, and you don't can't. have to travel too much. I mean, otherwise they just become they just become a, a, a I don't want to say a waste, right? You, you, your kids are wasted from yeah. having to travel midweek. They're middle of school, and then you got to play a game. And yeah. I would say those are. I don't think people realize you're going if you go f more than hour and a half, two hours. I think you, the, it's really, really hard to turn in a performance that's going to be worthwhile during a during a midweek game. Yeah, and then recover, I recover yeah. for Saturday, and because a lot yeah. of those last year, a lot of those midweeks were non-conference games. So yeah. then, especially when you turn the conference uh, schedule corner, yeah. you you really want to be able to be yeah. rested for that Saturday yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this year it changes for us because we add a lot more conference midweeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what? We can get the challenges, but what what were some of the highlights that you you, you right? Because everybody holds on to something like this was awesome. Like what what were some of those highlights that you that you have in mind from that pet from this past season? Yeah, I mean, I think to me, and I'm going to look at things probably differently as an analytical coach, right? I, I actually look at this season as necessary for our growth. Um, I think in in the ability of us to really like drive forward our leadership, um, I think some of the conversations that were had throughout the course of the year in how we can continue to get better. But like I look at it and like being able to go to Moravian and I know it was a zero zero tie, probably like it was a very eventful game, just like zero zero tie. That's the first points in my time at E-Town that we've ever been able to take out of Moravian. Uh -huh. um, so as much as our team was disappointed about like not getting a result we should have could have um just as easily as they could have but i mean it was one of those things that i looked at him after the game and i said you know like this is the first time we ever walk out of here not empty-handed yeah. um so i think That's being huge. able to take some of those things in stride yeah. as well yeah. um are, are really are really good and you can build and i mean i am a big firm believer that in order to find ultimate success you're gonna have to fail along the way very rarely do we get it right the first time and especially with a team that last year there was only four seniors um there was only four juniors um so the majority of the team are sophomores and freshmen like we need to, we need that ability to grow and i think that was it um mm -hmm. that's definitely it for us was being able to continue to learn and grow in that but also like one a great one one of our freshmen so at e-town we have a pretty cool tradition at our under our scoreboard we have signs um that have um from the time that her field was built so that from the men because they were the first mm -hmm. ones to play on it our program only started um in in the late 80s um mm -hmm. so for the men from the time her field was built they have the first home goal scorer of every year listed on this sign and the women, the same thing from when our program started. Um, we have every single home goal scorer. So we opened up against Muhlenberg, and one of our freshmen just hit an absolute banger. Um, and <laughs> so we have a freshman, Jenna, who's up on that sign for all of uh, all of eternity, which is pretty cool. That is awesome. You got to send me a picture of that. That would be oh, cool. I definitely I will. Love... Yeah, I totally dig that sort of thing. I, I, I it's funny. I, again crazy thoughts and theories it's like that's the sort of thing that i don't uh, like i wish more schools did like that uh, uh, just like 
the big one, and I got this from visiting Marietta College uh, in Ohio, um, where um, they showed the the lockers, their lockers in their locker room on the men's side. I didn't get a chance because they were just um, recruiting a new coach. But um, the men's locker rooms have the names of all of the players who were in that locker. So now you get this historical perspective of be like, oh, I'm following this guy or that guy. I, to me, is awesome. I'd love to see that. That is so cool. When we so Utown recently built, um, and recently we opened in the fall of 2019, um, the Bauer Center for Health, Fitness, mm-hmm. and Wellness. Right. Um, so our new locker rooms are up there. So for the entirety of our program, we used to have to come from like where the coaches' offices are in our basketball gymnasium and walk. Mm-hmm. The, the distance to our, our field. Well, now we, we get a little bit closer with these locker rooms. And that was one of the things that I needed to find a way to kind of carry that history with us. And now we're kind of in that cycle that nobody has done this before. So like, spoiler alert, if any of my kids are going to be listening to this, um, <laughs> they're, uh, one of their preseason projects is going to be, we, I have these cards that um, if you, if you drink the water, you need to remember those who dug the well and they uh-huh. do the history of their Jersey number. Um, and that. like talking about like what accolades, like were they all Americans, all conference, all region? Mm. Like what are they up on the board? Um, are they on the sign under the yeah. scoreboard? Like having those hung in their lockers. And like the cool thing is, is every year I have mine from 2019 for the coaching records. And uh-huh. it's really neat to kind of just see where you are in that, how are you going to leave the jersey? Are you going to leave it in a better place? Yeah. Like, is there yeah. someone ahead of you like that came prior to you that you want to chase mm-hmm. um, and use to inspire you on a daily basis? So, yeah. I that I don't think players, and it's not a today thing. I just think it's a normal being a eighteen year old kid at a school and sort of the atmosphere. But I don't think they realize like there are. There are people who re- I remember my numbers. I remember who wears them. I look even now. You know, my thirtieth anniversary of my twenty fourth birthday. I'm still looking and saying, "Oh, who's number four? Who's number four? Number seven? Number one?" I want to know who those numbers are. And like that kid has got my shirt on, whether they realize it or not, right? So that's all. And if if you go to games, like, I mean, I have not been lucky enough to get back to LaSalle for an alumni Mm -hmm. game recently, just because typically they happen on our spring play day. Um, But it's actually really cool to be able to like talk to the people that are currently wearing your Jersey and like, Hey, why did you pick that? Like, did Paul just give it to you? Or do you have a story behind why you picked it? And some of the stories are are pretty cool. Like, honestly, they're pretty cool why they picked numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you the color. It gives you the the fabric of what you're there for, right? In the whole program, it's not just you know kicking a ball. There's so much more to it. So, um, like I said, I'm uncommitted. So if you do need me, I would gladly do the research history of my number. Um, <laughs> you just just let me know. Um, I mean, just generically, uh, just a couple more questions. I'll let it let you get on with your day. This. You didn't have. You only had what two ties? Two ties. Like, do they? Did Does that? Do you prefer overtime? Not overtime? Would you? You okay with? Again, you only. You have a very limited experience. Be different if you had six ties, right? But 
but yeah, I mean, actually, like, if you look at the selection show, I want to say it was for the men. Somebody had like nine ties. Like that's yeah. that's wild. Like to me, yeah. um, R two, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I mean, I think it could have went either way. Um, I think in the moment, and I, I remember thinking this at Moravian, like, oh my gosh, we probably got. 10 shots off in the last five minutes. Like we were really pressing. If you just could have given us a couple more minutes. Um, Yeah. Do I think it could have ended differently? Sure I do. But at the same time, I do remember why all of us kind of tended to vote in the way that we did to eliminate the overtime periods in the regular season. Um, And it's because people playing that much overtime early in the season, like, it's really not helpful for health and recovery. Um, Maybe our players need, like, it's just, we need a little bit more time to recover. Um, And so many of those games continued to end in a tie even after the extra time. Um, But at the same time, I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that, I missed that golden goal. Like I can think back to our 2021 season. We went to overtime at Drew in what I continue to to think it was a must win because we finished our regular season playing Scranton. Mm -hmm. And if we wanted to qualify for playoffs, we needed to win that game. And we ended up winning it a couple minutes into overtime. And like Mm -hmm. the dog pile that happened (laughs) in that moment is like, those are some of the things that like memories are made of. Like you don't remember like that it was against Drew. All you remember is, man, I hit this shot and it went in and all of a sudden my team was on top of me. (laughs) So I don't know. Like we'll see when it comes up for vote again how we all yeah. kind of feel about it. But like yeah. right for right now, it's definitely set in stone where it is. And like I guess like sometimes it's six of one and half dozen of another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do well, you to me, it's it? like you're picking poison. Like you're picking your poisons. And I I always say that they're just sort of adjusting the peripheries, right? I I've, I've just been saying, you know what? If you really wanted to have an impact on player load and all that kind of stuff which was the rationale for the ot you know what why don't you extend the season out a week longer and then bring in players a week earlier and just do that because just just that even if it's just 10 days right you 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 basically expand it out suddenly you're going to have instead of one week of you know, basically no midweek games. Maybe you have two, maybe even three. Like, it all depends. And so suddenly you could start really being mindful of that, whereas I think sometimes OTs, like, you know, was it was that a was it really an issue or was it a solution look or an issue looking, no, an, a solution looking for the issue, right? And now, oh, look at the OTs, look at, so. Anyway. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, one of the biggest things that I, like, was just mind blown when I came from Division One to Division Three, yeah. it's that we play the exact same amount of games yep. in exactly. less time. Less time, And yeah. that, like, I mean, if you look at our schedule, you can compare our schedule to other teams. Like we have a regular season that I will never go beyond 16 games that we play in the regular season because I just don't see how it fits. Um, Like we are not a school. Like I remember my first season, um, the schedule I inherited had us playing Saturday, Sunday. And I I stared at him like there has to be a typo here. We're not playing back to back days. And like, you know, we're playing Saturday, Sunday. Well, I mean, from a coaching aspect, you don't even have time to scout who your opponent yeah. might be because they haven't even played a game yet. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, that was such a challenge. And then just knowing, man, we're going to be like really rotating on that Sunday game because there's no way somebody can play 90 minutes and then turn around and do the same thing again um, at the same level anyway. I mean, even at Division One, like when I was in college, we were playing Friday, Sunday. That Saturday, like that Sunday game was still definitely harder, but you still had that day of rest in between. Um, And I mean, again, like I think if if you're really concerned about the welfare of players and their health and their recovery, it really is about extending things and adding more time in recovery than it is about like, I mean, how many games on average typically tend to go to overtime? It can't be as it, it's not as many as end in a right. win or a loss, yeah. and then to sit there and say, okay, well, all of them are going to mostly end in a tie. It's a challenge, but mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. More days would be. I, I think that's the argument that all coaches at the Division three level we just we want yeah. more time with our student athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and two, like in your case, right? Your your players, you you basically played maybe a. You would have played little bit less than a half an extra half yep. for in that season that to me isn't look at, at, you get to a certain point where it doesn't matter if it's you know an, an extra three games that you're playing yeah. like at some point you're just sort of how just trying to figure out how am I going to survive <laughs> getting you know walking walking to practice or walking to the field right I, I think that's the reality but I, I do think I just think if if we're being realistic and you're really talking about how do we do what's best for the athletes, it's just more time. Yeah. More more time. And like I said, I'm just like, want to add an, a week to the one end, push the national championship out a, out a week. It's not going to be that determinant, right? It's not going to cost the schools dramatically that much on that end. The only part is the preseason, right? The preseason, we're no. I really, I don't want to make a blanket statement on this, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be really challenging to get preseason yeah. extended simply yeah. because of the cost to cost, the institution. I, I totally agreed. Uh, that that's that's it. That that front end to me is yeah. where the problem is, yeah. not so much the back end because yeah. you're already in school. All that. Well, and you're you're already at your peak fitness at that point. Like, like I I think the the hardest part is the beginning of the season. Yes. Um, when maybe people are, I mean, we're not as fortunate in some ways as the spring sports. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not wish to be on a turf field in January. Um, (laughs) in like all the snow gear that I possibly can or to be practicing. So like, we are fortunate in many ways, but to be able to be a spring sport that you have the fall to kind of build and kind of like, poke and prod players back to like yeah. where they need to be, have a strength conditioning coach working with them yeah. um, to get them back to where they need to be versus mm-hmm. us, that, like that hope and prayer that everybody is doing what they need to do over the course yeah, of the summer yeah. to return and like not just be fit. Like, I mean, that, that I think is, is obviously every coach's hope, but it's doing the right things to be strong enough to withstand yeah. the impact that the season's about to have on your body. Yeah. yeah. I, I've said, and even for my days, like, Ten, ten, the, the first 10 days you end it's like brutal on your body and that's even coming into preseason having done all the things that you think you can because you're just not ready for the impact it's going to take right mm-hmm. emotionally physically mentally all those things um in that preseason i i mean you were hobbling after 10 days you're like i can my, my legs i can't move my legs like it's just a, a so anyhow anyhow all right, stepping back off the the um, soapbox. Um, 
what what does your recruiting class look like? You, I know you, you got a young team now. Um, what what what's the recruiting class class look like? You said I got to ask where in Ohio do you have someone coming in from? Um, right around like Columbus. Um, oh. I think it's it's not too far away. It's not like yeah. the other side of yeah. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so we have her come in. Um, we've got we've got a good class coming in. We only graduated four, so, it, so it's mm-hmm. a smaller class. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see just kind of how they they integrate with the team. I know um, I was on the phone with one of our young ladies yesterday. She's spending the summer down at the shore. Um, she has a job down there and has been able to like as some of our players have rotated through their vacation, she's like getting workouts in with them, which is pretty cool. Um, like, she's just like, yeah, like we just like ran on the boardwalk. I'm like, that's so much fun. Like that sounds, it's yeah. great that you're meeting with our, with our upperclassmen and everything. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's the important thing. Like it was just getting them integrated because I think they're all talented. I think they all can add in. Um, it's just a matter of how comfortable did they feel day one to be able to impact us. Mm-hmm. Um. And then lastly, I will ask the question, don't, uh, and with this is being recorded, so don't, you don't want to be any kind of quotes for an inspiration board yes. uh, for, <laughs> for some of your competitors, but um, what, uh, like, do you have any goals that you can share for, for the fall? Like what you, based on what you've done in the spring, like what you're hoping that yeah, I think around, I don't know, that's the right word, like gets you the mo- right motivation gets you in the right frame of mind. For the I ball. think one of the biggest things is living up to our mission of developing phenomenal women and champions, mm-hmm. um, being distinctive regionally and recognized nationally, which I know we will like academically, we just got the I just applied us for the team academic award again. Mm-hmm. But we want to do the things that like have the character parts that are going to allow us to be a great team. I don't want to put numbers on it. I don't want to like set that target of like, I mean, obviously I think every goal, every team goes into the season with the aspiration to compete for a championship and, and ultimately win a championship. But I think for us, it's doing the daily habits. Like my goal would be that we're able to show up every single day doing the daily habits that it takes for us to compete, to be at our best. And if we can do that, we're going to have a phenomenal season. Um, but do I want to put numbers on it? No, probably not. Um, just because like you said, I don't want to be that inspiration board, <laughs> yeah. um, for yeah. other teams. Yeah. Um, but I do want to be an inspiration for us. ourselves. Let's go after them. <laughs> the sole reason for the season, one well, game. <laughs> let me tell you something. So we rolled up to Susquehanna this year and Nick will laugh about this. If he ever listens to this, because him and I have had conversations about it, like posted on their locker room door, like in our girls were like in the locker room next door was like, never forget like 10 rounds of people, like something like that. That was just like, they beat us last year. He's like, as a coach is sitting there, just like I would like guys, that was so last season. Like we're not yeah. dwelling on that fact. Like, uh, let's just move past it. Let's be the best that we can today. Yeah. And the whole team is just like, they beat us in 10 rounds of people. We have to beat them. Like, and, and I tell you, that was a, a really hard fought game. They scored yeah, a great yeah. late game winner, but like, Oh my goodness. Like, no, I do not wish to have that type of inspiration for anyone. <laughs> Uh, you, uh, players don't forget they they don't and i think yeah, like those types of things like you just want to be able to be in that moment and i think as yeah. coaches like we know the tendencies of players because we were all there and we and even as coaches like we get those things like kind of stuck in mm-hmm. us yeah. um but i think 
as a coach, like you want to just kind of remind them, we just have to stay the course. We have yeah. to be ourselves. We have to do yeah. those daily habits um, and live up to our best and, and just compete with ourselves. Because if we yeah. just keep getting better, we will be fine. We will be yeah, able yeah. to compete. We will be able to, to hopefully qualify for playoffs, but yeah. we'd be able to qualify for playoffs if we're at our, our best. Uh, on a daily basis and doing the things that it takes and like the things I know of what we put in place this spring and and huge like we got our first ever strength and conditioning coach that actually wants to work with athletes um, in the past year so I mean hats off to um, Jeff and Nate for what they do with our girls but this time that they spent in the off season like I have really like it's that quiet anticipation period that mm-hmm. I don't like want to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, we're going to be so great. But like, I think the pieces, the, the the foundation is laid. The pieces are there. We just need to put yeah. them together in the right way, yeah. which is a lot of pressure on me and less so on our team. Yeah, outstanding, outstding. Um, all right, don't worry, you won't be on the board. You're, you, by the way, Susquehanna is going to have that ten round penalty kick thing up there. <laughs> For probably years to come, if I, <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I still remember, like I, I still remember Capital University last uh, on a Sunday beating us one nothing, and we lost the we lost the OAC title thanks to them. Yeah, I still remember, and I still don't like Capital for it. So anyhow, um, Coach, thank you very much. Do appreciate. Thanks again for rescheduling and being so amenable to this. This was this was fantastic. Loved it. I'm actually, I just realized you're you're relatively close. I mean, you're pretty darn close to Harrisburg, right? Yep. Yeah, so I go out there for business on my regular job, so then I have to do to get out there. So I'm, I'm actually going to stop by at some point, hopefully during the fall, I'll catch a game, but if not, you might, uh, might see me knocking on your board. Yeah, please stop by. That'd be awesome. Um, shoot me an email, and we'll make sure to hook yeah. you up, because I see some... Uh, some good uh, swag in the background oh, yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. We'll need to make sure that you can have some E-Town stuff up there. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. It, the kindness of, of coaches like us also is fantastic. And, and I, you know, what's funny is I have one up there that is a renowned sworn enemy of mine, but is such a great, John Carroll coach is such a great guy. He's like, I'm going to win you over and he sent me Oh, that's great. (laughs) Um, All right, Coach. Thanks again. We'll touch base. Hopefully, I'll get out there, and uh, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on you guys. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can also find me on anti-social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks. This is a message from my chief marketing officer. I think this keeps him happy.